Empire. Hey there, and welcome to my podcast as I wrap up the NFL owners meetings from Arizona. And I have a conversation coming up with ESPN's Dan Graziano. But first, I want to get to an interview I had with Bruce Allen um, Tuesday afternoon. And, you know, some of this is going off of what, when I tweeted out the quote and some of the Twitter mentions and just how fans feel about it. So basically, in, in general, he, to sum it up, he talked about he does understand the fan unrest. He does know that it's directed at him. He does under, he does he's well aware of the hashtag. Um, he did tell me it's not 0-16, but seven and nine leaves a bitter taste, and it does to all of us. I asked him for a self-evaluation. He said, I'm seven and nine, so is everybody. Um, I think from a fan's perspective, my guess is the only thing you really want to hear is that you want him to say he's a bad decision maker and he should be fired. He's not gonna say that. Um, I I one thing I will say that he's been a little bit more out there talking this offseason. The transparency is good because at least, if nothing else, you can ask him questions and say you made, you know, and, and you know, whether tougher questions or, you know, more accountability. I think that's very good. I think people in the organization would like him to be more out front uh, when it comes to some of these big decisions because he's the guy making them he should be the one answering for them and i don't say that in a negative way i think that's just how it should be and it hasn't always been that way um but you know one thing i think that the theory within the organization is well winning will solve everything and i don't know if that's going to be the case um based on the twitter mentions that that i saw on this it seems like a lot of you just have a lot of distrust, disdain, whatever, for the organization, for Allen. Um, and I don't know that will winning cure all that. The hard part is we don't know because they haven't won. Um, there are a lot of people in this league who have a certain personality, but because they win, it kind of gets overlooked because they win. You may not like them, but, but they're winning. And so the feeling is different. I just think here, I think the other factor is it's not so much – whether it's the personality you don't like, I think the bottom line is I don't know that you have trust or faith that he's that this organization with Allen in charge is going to get the job done, and you kind of see it and you want it done. I get that, um, but he's in charge, and so this is this is the way it is. But I think that that's part of it. So whether or not winning would cure, I'd say it'd be nice to find out for you guys because you're the guys, the ones that are keep investing emotionally, financially. And and are having the harder and have and are having a hard time with all of this. Um, again, you may not like what he says. You know, despite the questions, you can ask whatever question you want. He's not going to give you always what you want. Um, he does have that political background in his family, and I think he's able to stick to a message uh, very well. Um, and so, you know, you ask, he answers. And there you go. But I do think it'd be good for him to be more out front when it comes to these big-time decisions. Um, one of the other quotes he gave me that I found interesting was about the quarterbacks. And I asked him about developing quarterbacks because it's going to be a theme for the Redskins this offseason, assuming they go and draft one um, or trade for one. But I think – but in terms of – but I, you know, right now we'll take the draft. So let's say they get a young guy in the draft, or obviously he'd be a young guy because he'd be in the draft. But so how do you develop a guy? And the one – model that Allen pointed to was Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes and they were able to let him sit he learned behind Alex Smith 
learn from Andy Reid, Matt Nagy, really good offensive minds. And so he comes out in his first year as a starter and tears up the league. Clearly that's an ideal situation. But, but the difference is Kansas City was 12-4 and four the, year, the season before they drafted Mahomes. They had a complete team around him, or they had a really good team around him because it wasn't complete because the defense is not complete. Um, and they had a quarterback in place who, was a, who could go out and win games in Alex Smith. The Redskins do not have that same situation. They do have a lot of guys in the building who, can work, who are former NFL quarterbacks. I think that's a good thing, but they're not coming off. They're coming off back-to-back seven and nine seasons, and they don't have a healthy Alex Smith. So they are in a different situation. And they also need to win now. So can you afford to ha- draft a guy that high like the Chiefs did and have him sit for a year? And that leads to my conversation that I had with Jay Gruden at the owners' meetings. And we talked to Gruden at the owners' meet, the co- excuse me, the coaches' breakfast on Tuesday. And then I spoke with them for a few minutes afterwards about this. And one of the things I asked him is, you know, you're going into your a big year for you. You haven't made the playoffs in three years. If your job is on the line, if you don't win, and yet. What if there's a quarterback that in the draft that, that the team says, well, this is the guy because he's going to develop and be a star for us down the road. You know, are you okay with that? Because it may not be in time to save you. And his quote to me was that I never, ever go into a season approaching it like I'm going to get fired. End of quote. Now, I think that's how you have to do it because you can't go in there thinking you're going to get fired because then you, if, if that's the case, you need to change the regime now because you're done. Um, but his point was, and let's, first of all, he doesn't have the power. We know Bruce Allen has that power, but Gruden will have say in this situation. His, his say will matter when it comes to drafting a quarterback. Um, but, again, Bruce still makes the final call. But the point for Gruden was that if, if, they, if he feels the best thing to do is take a quarterback at 15, even if he has to sit for a while, then I think that's what has to be done. Um, you know, it is an odd situation to be in, and this is something I'm writing about for ESPN. Is you have a coach who needs to win now, and a team that must find a QB, and I kind of go into depth in there, and that story's out on Thursday. So, but there, you know, I think I just think it was interesting what Gruden said. He also there's five other points to go over from what Gruden, what Gruden told me, and others at the breakfast. Now, some of this was stuff I talked to him by myself, and some of it was was in a group setting. One thing he told me when I talked to him after the breakfast was he does not want, he doesn't like two-man competitions. He doesn't want a three-man competition if he can avoid it. It may not be able to avoid it, but if you can, he doesn't want that. And I'll give you the reason. In 2011 with Cincinnati, they drafted Andy Dalton when Gruden was the offensive coordinator. Well, Dalton was a, you know, was a rookie, came in right away, though, and was the number one quarterback. That makes a difference. He got every first-team rep from the time he was drafted, and that made a difference. Uh, quarterback gets drafted here with, you know, with Colt McCoy, Case Keenum. I don't think they're going to come in as the number one guy, so you're going to be in a competition. How many guys will be in that competition for the starting job? How many reps are you going to get? If it's a three-man competition, you're getting a third of the reps. If it's two, you're getting half the reps. So it becomes a little bit harder to develop a guy in that scenario. Now, if he goes right out and wins a job, that's great. If he's clearly the, the guy who should be doing it, that's even better. Uh, I'll give you an example. Russell Wilson in Seattle, after the first practice out there, I think people knew that Wilson was just different and that he was going to be their guy, and he was. So, um, you know, you might get a situation like that. 
Now, the other second point, the one-year guys, Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins. Uh, it makes it hard to, to really gauge where they're at, and that's one of the points that Gruden made, that it's hard to know with, how would they have developed had they stayed in college. Would they have gotten rid of some of the flaws or improved in some of the other areas? That's why going into this, you may think that a guy like Haskins has to sit for a year, and that's, that is definitely a thought in this organization and elsewhere, that he may have to sit for a year because he's just inexperienced. Um, Murray might be different. The Redskins probably aren't going to be in a position to take him for reasons that we'll get into in a little bit. But the, the difference Gruden said between Murray and Haskins is that Gruden, or excuse me, Murray's speed, he's got that 4-3 speed, gives him a different skill set. And it allows him to contribute and to start and make an impact right now. Haskins doesn't have that speed. He's got the arm. He's smart, but he's inexperienced. So I think there is a distinct difference there. But I think it's also a little bit of a window into how they might be viewing this, that if a guy like Haskins has to sit for a little bit, that would he be the guy that if, they, if he was there at 15? I don't know. I know there's a lot that they like about him, and, but I think the one-year experience thing leads him to wonder – when would he be ready to make the impact that they would need? Third point, they are looking at all these quarterbacks, obviously. It's not just those two guys. You're look, obviously, you're going to look at everybody. They're going to have all the top guys in for a visit. That's what Gruden told me as well. Um, and talking to them and talking to others, some of these other quarterbacks, Daniel Jones, um, I think some teams probably like him more than others. And it may surprise people where he ends up going. I don't know because it's all over the place. With some of these guys, it's all over the place. So who knows? Um, but I think they're, you know, they like they like his size, his arm. He's got mobility. Doesn't always jump out on the film. Um, was a little bit beaten up at Duke, and I think there's some people that I've talked to around the league who wonder is he the guy he's going to be? Whereas like a guy like Haskins probably has the higher, might have the higher ceiling because you don't know where he's, he's not a finished product. You don't know where he's going to go to. Maybe Jones is more finished, and therefore this is who he is. Is that good enough? Um, the other one is Drew Locke, and, you know, again, has a lot of things that you're going to like. I mean, he's got size, arm, he can move. Uh, but one of the questions I, that, that you hear about him is he locks onto his guys a lot. No, no pun intended. Well, maybe there was, but... That's one of the questions that teams are going to have about him going into the draft. And can you get him out of that? Yeah, you probably can. But if it's a, if it's a habit they've seen over a long period of time, then I think it's going to be a lot harder to – and I think that will that cause him to stumble a little bit um, when he gets to the NFL? I don't know. But that's the question going in. Another guy, Will Greer. Jay Gruden did mention his name at the breakfast, just kind of in a, you know, an off, off way that he mentioned his name. Um, I know that there's things they like about him. He does not have the same skill set as some of the others. Uh, the big question with him will be, is he a system guy? And, I, you know, whether or not he truly is, that's the question going into the draft. Uh, but he's a guy that maybe after that first round I think you need to pay attention to. Don't know if they would take him, but I think, you, I think we should pay attention to him. Fourth point that Groot make, you can't reach for a quarterback. And I absolutely agree with that. His point was that, you know, you, if you reach for a guy in the first round, you're going to set yourself back because, as he said, you have to hit on those first-round picks. Uh, you look at an organization like the Cleveland Browns, for years they did not hit on those first-round picks. Last year they did. They're finally set. It took decades of misses to get to that point. I don't think you want to repeat that. But 
the point for Gruden was it may be that you get your guy in the second, third, or fourth round because, it, you know, you have to hit on that first-round pick. So if you're at 15, you don't love the guy, don't take him. Don't reach for a guy. And, I, and you would hope that they would adhere to that. They're going to go by their board. They don't know what their board is. Not every board is the same. Some teams are going to like Haskins more. Some teams are like Jones more. Some teams are like Locke more. So it doesn't, you know, but I think the point is if they really like him, you have to take them. And in talking to other people there, they're not going to be sitting there saying, what if Jay Gruden gets fired? Um, they can't. They're not going to operate like that. You can't because, again, you have to then get rid of them because you're already done. The last thing is Josh Rosen. What's going to happen with him? Well, the sense I've gotten is that they'll probably trade him. Now, I think others have gotten that, but nobody knows. I don't know that anybody knows for sure. So it's just more the sense you get from talking to some people. I know the Redskins liked him coming out of the draft. I know, and it was a few people did. Um, I also know that I don't think the coaches have put in a ton of, of um, film work on him just yet. Um, maybe I don't know if that's all the coaches or just Gruden, whatever. Um, so I don't know like if there's some sort of imminent thing with them. I wouldn't say that. Um, I think once you start watching the game film from last year, you're going to get it. Probably can, becomes a little bit more serious. I would think they would have interest because he's an available quarterback who is a cheap quarterback who they did like coming out of college. So it would make sense for them to have some interest. I don't know if they'd be the strongest suitor right now, um, but you would hope that they would get in in him unless they just don't like other parts of his game. And at which point, I don't know. But then the question is, what do you give up for him? Um, I talked to one person who I think summed it up best, and this would be my last point. He said, I don't think you're going to get him for – you're not going to trade a first-round pick, not going to get him for a third, so you're probably going to have to give up a second. Um, would you want to do that? We'll see. Anyway, for more on the Redskins, I'm going to talk to Dan Graziano coming up after this break. now a national guy so um he's he's a big timer now so i appreciate i appreciate him joining us dan thanks for coming on my little podcast here my pleasure um do you miss just the daily beat stuff or you know i'm, I'm gonna get into other stuff first but i am curious about that do you miss that daily beat stuff i think i have like a uh, my attention span problem or something because no i don't I, I i like the variety i like bouncing around at different teams different training camps you know, doing tv one day right call the next day so I, I don't know i i i for me it was i always felt like i was kind of in a i don't want to say in a rut but i just for me personally i like i like a little more variety plus the years i covered the giants were not very good years they were they were out of it by thanksgiving every year and uh just wasn't a lot of news around that team so no i don't i don't miss that I'm, I'm enjoying what i'm doing and you one of the teams you covered when you were doing the nfc east too when espn just started those blogs was the redskins how have you seen this organization maybe even change is it changed over the last few years or do you do you have a different perspective after now covering even more teams well it was mike shanahan uh, when i started when i was doing the, the nfc east blog and obviously we all know how that ended and, and it, it kind of blew up uh, I mean, it, you know, it seems like, you know, since Jay Gruden's been there, there's been some level of stability in terms of, you know, the day-to-day, you know, in the locker room. Obviously, there have been a couple flare-ups here and there, but, you know, the fact that he's in his fourth, fifth year, sixth year <laughs> is insane, right? Like, how many, I mean, you know, under Dan Snyder, that just hasn't been, been the case. So it tells you something about him as a coach. Um, I'm sure that people, and himself included, wish he was doing better in terms of wins and losses and playoff appearances, etc. But um, you know, they're 
they're a team that just doesn't, the last two years just haven't been able to stay healthy. You know, and I just, I remember covering a lot of their games this year when they were in first place and it just fell apart. So they got to figure out a way to get through 16 games and then, and then we'll see. But uh, yeah, it's been different, but it's, I know it hasn't been as satisfying as the fans wish it was. No, and when you, I don't know how much you talked to anybody about Jay Gruden or the organization, but do you, what, what's the perception of him outside of Washington, do you think? I think, I think he's regarded as a good coach. I think he's respected as a guy that certainly paid his dues in the profession and deserved the opportunity. I think there's a, I don't know how to put this, I, th I think there's a sense that, that that's a difficult place to work, that, 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 that there's an environment that, you know, people really haven't had a lot of success there. So I think he's kind of graded on a curve from the outside perspective a little bit. And, um, you know, I, I think, you know, he's had winning seasons there. He's been to the playoffs. And, and uh, I, I, I think people think he's a good coach. I don't know if, like, if they were to make a change, would he be the kind of guy that could bounce right into another head coaching job like Adam Gase just did? Maybe not. But I don't think he'd have any trouble getting offensive coordinator offers, for example, if that were to happen. And you're right. Like, coaches here typically have not had success. Is it what would you attribute that to? Just, again, from your perspective, what, what do, why do you feel that is? I, from the outside looking in, um, it seems like there's there's been some level of dysfunction at the management level, right? I mean, like that's not. I don't think I'm talking out of school. I think that's that's been pretty well established, right? There've been there's been a lot of front office changes. Um, there's been you know there, there's been the issue of you know do they have a GM? Do they need a GM? You know they had a GM and then they fired him for reasons that may not have had a lot to do with football and player evaluation. You know so. I think that level of instability in the front office and in management always has an effect. I think it's very, very difficult for a team to win when that's going on, and, and I think that's been the, the consistent thing with that team. Now, wanna, I'm going to move to some some off-season stuff here. That they're Landon Collins was obviously the big splash that they made this year. Were you surprised at the money that he got, and, and do you feel like it's a good signing? I was surprised at the money he got. I thought this is a team with a lot of needs, and I was surprised they committed so much of their pool of resources to the one player. I like him a lot. I covered him with the Giants when he came up, seen him develop. He had a, you know, his rookie season was rough just because it was a big transition, and they were asking a lot of him. They were playing him at free safety, which really isn't his position. He's as good a tackler as anyone in the league. And, you know, the knock on him is coverage, but I think people read that the wrong way sometimes. He's still a guy that can make plays in the passing game. You, you put him on a receiver one-on-one, -on -one, he's not going to do well, but you shouldn't do that. And I think a good defensive coordinator will know not to do that. And, and uh, you know, not that he hasn't had good defensive coordinators, but I think, you know, it's important not to expose him and to, and to get the most out of him. You can use him to blitz. You know, you can put him in coverage packages where he, he might be in position with his great instincts to make a play on a ball and make an interception. So just because a guy, quote-unquote, can't cover doesn't mean he can't make plays in the passing game. I think he's going to be a great player for Washington. I'm, I'm stunned that he's going to make $14, $15 million a year. That's a lot of change. And it's funny because like when I'd watch him, like I always felt like he, whether or not he's a playmaker in the pass game, I saw him influence the pass game in coverage when used properly, when he can break on the ball, when he's fun, when he can use his leverage as help to funnel to a teammate where the help is. And I think that's a big deal. It was more so like if you put him one-on-one -on -one with Tariq Cohen, who's going to beat anybody, that he'd have some problems. But he seems to add a lot in the locker room as well. Agreed. He's a no-nonsense guy. He comes from Alabama and Nick Saban, you know, so he, he came into the league with a little, with a, that level of maturity and obviously 
Washington, very familiar with guys who come from Alabama. It seems like they draft one every year, right? So, uh, which is fine. I mean, there's worse schools to sort of mine for talent. Um, but no, he's, he's, his locker room reputation in New York was, was very strong, and it grew, as he did. And, um, and I think he's, he's a no-nonsense guy that can, that can get people lined up the right way on defense, that can, you know, he's, uh, he's not going to make locker room speeches every day, but when he talks, people listen. So I think he's, he's going to be a good... I don't know if that locker room needs a stabilizing force. Yes. Okay, well, then. That always helps. It then, always helps. Then I think he can be one of those. And especially on that side of the ball. They had some issues with that last year. Some of the guys are gone. You have no-nonsense guys, Josh Allen, or Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Alabama guys. But another guy who, not a Redskin, don't know where he's going to go. But I'm curious, do you think Josh Rosen will be available for a trade? I think it's. I think there's a strong possibility, but at this point, everything I've been told is that is that he's not yet. Now, these guys have all been here in Phoenix for three days talking to each other, and it's conceivable that there have been discussions that we don't know about yet with it that that change that story. But I think the sense is that Arizona really hasn't decided what it wants to do. I, obviously, it's it's even if they have decided to trade Josh Rosen, it's to their disadvantage for everyone to know that. Um, they want the perception out there that, hey, yeah, they could draft Kyler Murray and keep Josh Rosen if they don't like the deal. Uh, yeah, neither one of them is going to be making a ton of money for the position. So I think they're, they're in a mode where they like that no one knows what they're going to do. And I think they believe that as long as there's that mystery about them, there's a chance that someone might come to them with something they can't turn down. Someone might come up with a Josh Rosen trade idea that they hadn't considered and may say, oh, well, good, we, we'll do that. We'll draft Kyler Murray and we'll move on. So I think they're, they're relatively early in their process. It's a month to go until the draft, and uh, there's a lot of different ways it could go. And it's funny because the value, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to figure out the value. You talk to people, and like some people have no idea. And then some people, like I was talking to one person the other day, who's like, well, a first might be too much, a third is probably not enough, and then it depends on where your second is. Would you, do you do you have a sense of what it might take? I think, you know, this guy was, was a 10 pick last year, 9, 9 or 10. So, you know, they're not going to get that, obviously, because if he if he is being traded, then it'll be because someone knows he sort of has to be. So I have heard third round speculated, but I agree with you. I mean, look, if you can get a guy that was the 10th pick a year ago for a third rounder, you've done some good work. So uh, I would imagine that Arizona is waiting for someone to improve on it. Now, if they end up trading him for a third rounder, it's probably because they decided they had to trade him, and that's the best they could do. But with a month to go before the draft, there's absolutely no reason to settle. Who do you think, Kyler Murray, let's say he goes first, you know, the first quarterback taken, who's next do you think? Because it seems like that's bouncing all over the place. Who's next do you feel would go? It seems like all along it's been Dwayne Haskins from Ohio State, but there is concern among a lot of decision makers. Uh, Jake Rudin's brother addressed this at length in the coach's breakfast uh, here on, on Tuesday. Um, that, that that Murray and Haskins are one-year starters, you know, and, and John Gruden was talking about that. He said, look, what, what Dwayne Haskins did is incredible. He threw 50 touchdowns at Ohio State. Incredible. I wish he played one more year. Right. You know, Kyler Murray did is incredible. Follow up a Heisman Trophy winner and win your own Heisman Trophy. I wish he played two more years, right. you know, but that's the reality of it. And then of Drew Locke with Missouri, he said, you know, I like – I like that he finished the job, meaning he played played his whole career out of Missouri, and, and and the belief is that that experience really helps a guy when he enters the league. And he said the the other thing I found interesting, he said the one year starters, they have to play right away, because, um, you know, they, they, that's the only way they're going to get any better. You, know, you bring in a guy like 
like a like a Drew Locke, you, and you have a guy in front of him, you might be able to sit him. It might be okay, but uh, you know Murray and Haskins are going to have to take their lumps because otherwise, how are they going to learn uh, what they need to do? And it's funny because Jay Gruden was talking about that as well. With he said the one difference with Kyler Murray that he has such a unique skill set that you maybe you can probably use him quicker because of some of the you know there, there's just a multi-dimensional skill set. But with Haskins, it's it, you know the same same thing, only. 13 games or whatever it was and you know but what about like a guy like Jones or you what do you hear on him I think there are concerns and again I, I don't you know this isn't my arena in terms of like right. evaluating right. tape and draft prospects from what I've heard there are concerns about arm strength there and and, and you know and as a result of that maybe ball placement you know I think there's there are teams that regard him highly because they regard David Cutcliffe and his program highly and what Cutcliffe does with quarterbacks, you know, coaching at Duke and his experience with, you know, Eli Manning and those guys. So um, so I think he'll get some attention, and I do think because of the way the position is valued, there's a strong chance that he is one of the guys taken in the first round, that, that all four of those guys go in the first round. Um, but teams are just digging in now. I, I mean, you know, the Giants, for example, you know, they're looking for their quarterback of the future. They came out of the combine not really sold on any of them, but they're going to the pro days. They're having dinner with Dwayne Haskins. You know, it's conceivable you fall in love or you figure something else out about a guy that you didn't see on the field in Indianapolis, maybe had a bad day. So I think, you know, in terms of Jones, I think there are concerns about certain physical aspects of his game that, for instance, are not like Drew Locke, right? He could throw the ball a mile, uh, but he just didn't have that consistency of production at the college level. Mm -hmm. So it's it's not the best year to need one. Last year was. Which is why certain teams in the division probably should have taken one when they had the chance. Last thing um, that I want to ask you about, because you, know, you look at the rest of the NFC East, and like the Eagles seem to stand above as an organization. Would you agree with that? If so, why? Well, I mean, look, they have the Super Bowl title from just two years ago. So, I mean, it's been a while since Dallas had a losing season, right? I mean, they, they, even, even their quote-unquote down year two years ago was 9-7. and seven and they didn't have Ezekiel Elliott for six games. So um, I think it's those two are probably, when we look at like who people are going to pick and who the favorites are going to be going into the season, I think I think most of us who, you know, the knuckleheads who are asked to do these preseason predictions and have no idea what we're really talking about, I think, you know, Dallas and Philly will be the, will be the popular picks and probably lean to Philly because there's a sense with Dallas that they're kind of one year up, one year down, and, and this would be the down. So, but I think the Eagles because of the way they built their team into a Super Bowl winner, because of what they did at the quarterback position and brought along Carson Wentz, I, mean, I, just, I just think they're, they're seen as like a, you know, what they do with analytics, what Doug Peterson does on fourth down. You know, I, I think there's a lot of aspects of what the Eagles do uh, that is admired around the league as, uh, to some degree, innovative. I mean, Howie Roseman was, was trading players before it was hot, right? right? <laughs> you know, so uh, I think there's a sense that they're forward-thinking and that that obviously paid off two years ago, and and you know, we'll see. I mean, Wentz, Wentz is under a fair bit of pressure. I mean, he's got to outdo his backup. Yeah, <laughs> right? I mean, that's a very weird situation. Nick Foles is a Philly legend, and if Wentz never wins the Super Bowl, you know, he'll kind of be. It'll be that'll be a, an unfortunate part of his career biography. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But I expect them to still maintain a contending team, and and uh, you know, they made the playoffs this year when it looked like they weren't going to. Thanks for joining me, Dan, and thank you for listening.